Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here, and only Maddie here, with episode 258 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And I imagine every time I say that, the and only Maddie here, I always imagine like a percentage of our viewers or listeners just having their hearts drop. No, no, Carrick, where is he, Maddie? Allow me to answer that. So I told him to take the week off. This week, I had a haircut that could not be moved. I, as you all know, have one of the worst quarantine cuts of all time, and I needed to get the mop chopped, to say the least. So I told Carrick, hey, the only appointment that was available at the place I go to get my hair cut was at 5.30. Why don't you just take the week off? I'll handle the show by myself. I was going to originally ask him to go ahead and do it, but I felt like because it wasn't like a serious matter, it's me getting my hair cut, the responsibility should fall on to me. So it is just me this week. We have seven different bits of news, if I counted correctly, seven bits of news, I think, to go through today. It was a rocking week for the games industry. A lot of news to sift through. But as always, as tradition dictates, we have what we're playing and the Patreon promotion. So just so you guys know, if you're new here, and we've had a lot of new people coming in. I say that pretty frequently now, which is kind of cool. Uh, I've, I've been really blown away by the reception on the channel. People seem to just enjoy what I'm doing by being me, whether it's like a Steam sale video, Cyberpunk, a SpongeBob review, which is like my best performing video of the week. It's been really crazy, and we've had like 3,000 new subscribers come in, so I just want to thank you guys for giving me a shot here. I know this is a crowded space, and I keep continuing to work hard with like skits to, to make my content as unique as possible to make sure it stands out for you guys. But for those of you who are new, this show is where we just kick back, man put our feet up for the week, and talk about all the gaming news in a much more relaxed, casual chat. And it's my favorite thing to do, man. It's just so nice to to cap off the week with a podcast. And we put it up for early access on my Patreon for a single dollar. You can go ahead, sign up. You get early access on Fridays. We are looking to start up, or my I am, sorry, not we. I am looking to start up Uh, the memberships thing over on YouTube. And I'm going to have the same perks on Patreon as there. The only difference is I'm not going to do the Discord there because apparently you have to put a live link to your Discord, which can easily be copied and just sent out to anyone. And so I'm just going to leave that perk out there. But most of what my Patreon offers is going to match the YouTube memberships because some people don't like Patreon. Some people want to support in other ways. And so I understand that. Do know that'll be expanded upon later on. But anyway, early access for a single dollar is great for you. It's great for me because I know you guys enjoy the show. Uh, It goes up every Friday night, sometimes a little earlier, sometimes a little later. But for those who want more of an exact estimate, around 8, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's usually when we wrap up the show and I immediately get to producing everything for you. We also do exclusive Patreon videos. I am still making my exclusive patron video for this week. I was very, very swamped, as I'm sure the channel suggests, between all the cyberpunk coverage reviews that we've been doing streaming. It's been a full plate, but I still do produce weekly exclusive patron videos for those of you who care to see more of me. Uh, so that's at the $5 level. And we have a bunch of other tiers that are manageable based off you know what your income is, what you want to spend, what you think my content's worth. We have a lot of options there. So that'll be linked in the description down below. As for what I'm playing, enough of the business mo jumbo, what is Maddie gaming on? Uh, so I finished up SpongeBob Battle for Bikini Bottom. Uh, this week I made my review for it. I really enjoyed it. I thought the reviews for the game uh, from critics were heinous. They were ridiculous. It's been a while since I've seen 
such a a missed review opportunity. Like I thought, okay, this is the chance SpongeBob gets to finally get a good look here. And Battle for Bikini Bottom is like, in my opinion, the best SpongeBob game. I know some people like the movie. I know some people like uh, Creature from the Krusty Krab, which is sort of a continuation of what's happening. Well, not what's happening, but it's a continuation in the spirit of Battle for Bikini Bottom, as is Truth or Square, which I really like. That's on the 360. Uh, They're all great games, but Battle for Bikini Bottom is really what set the stage for a lot of us and surprised a lot of us. Because before that, you had, I think it was Revenge of the Flying Dutchman. And man, that game was uh, was not great. So yeah, going back to that title and playing it was good. Uh, I do plan on at some point getting the Platinum Trophy. I think it's just an easy farming trophy. Uh, it's just right now I want to get through this next game I'm going to talk about, Dragon Age Inquisition. Uh, currently, we're producing a 2020 review. Why do I keep saying we? Holy smokes. <laughs> I, I, me, the only person who works on this channel, I am producing a 2020 review for Dragon Age Inquisition. So a lot of people have kind of like hammered me about, you know, giving the game a second chance seeing what I think about it. I'm about 10 hours in. I'm a third of the way through. Uh, I'm not going to post my review for it until I play the DLC, like Trespasser, and I think there's another one attached to it, but everyone fanboys about Trespasser and says it's worth going through Inquisition just for that. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what that's all about because more and more as I've spoken negatively about Inquisition, people have come to me saying, like, "You're, you're wrong. You're wrong. And uh, I respect your opinion, but you're wrong. And so uh, what I've realized is people are talking about the main story. You go back, the side content for Inquisition is still absolutely fucking trash. It's still terrible. But there is solid combat that I think holds up for the most part. It is a little janky, but it does hold up for the most part. The mixture between action and tactical kind of like a hybrid between Dragon Age 2 and Origins. Although I feel it's more action focused. I haven't gotten much use out of the tactical camera outside of bigger enemies where you just need to coordinate a couple of attacks to keep things rolling but combat's held up pretty well the story has been great Uh, i forgot how good the main story really is in the scheme of things uh it's pretty gripping i just got to the part where the templars were taken or were were like consuming the red lyrium and uh now we have like a a a splinter faction of templars known as the the red templars Uh, one of the issues i've noted with the game is there's a lot of sub factions within already established factions like you have the mages then the tevinter mages you have templars red templars like they do a lot of these sub factions and honestly as someone hopping back into dragon age it can get a little confusing thank god i've had the chat with me to sometimes like cross reference uh because i've been streaming this game a lot I'm going to have to start playing it off stream, though, because I have saved it for stream since a lot of people enjoy watching me play it. But I also want to finish it in a timely manner because, like I said, I'm only 10 hours into it. So there will be some off stream play in my future. But right now, uh, I'm enjoying it more than I uh, memory would serve previously. Um, But overall, those side quests, man, I'll just save that for the review. I've never seen just more forgettable content in a game, more, more like content you have to actively avoid. But there's a lot to like there, man. It really tries to take the idea that Origins had of creating your own army and then uh, building on it. And I just feel like Origins did that aspect a lot better because Origins had these these more consistent choices throughout its game. Uh, where, where, where Inquisition is, I feel like the choices are more significant Um, but they're not as frequent. So I guess you know you could argue quality versus quantity. I feel like Dragon Age Origins had both. Uh, But anyway, that's what I've been playing. So let's go ahead 
and move into Cyberpunk 2077. Um, we're not going to talk too deep on this because I've already made two videos dedicated to it, but I know people can't get enough of this game. And I made a video this week called Reviewing the Previews, which is a part of the Reviewing the Review series I do. If I don't get a copy or if I don't get access to a game that I'm interested in, that I feel my audience would be interested in, then uh, I, I combine all of them. I gather up a bunch of articles and highlight some of the major points of what people are talking about, what lines up, what's significant, what isn't as good consistently for people. And so it prevents you from having to read like eight articles and instead you just have one 15 to 20 minute video, which can be a lot quicker in my opinion. So I did that and I also did a general roundup of everything we learned from Night City. So during this cyberpunk 2077 Night City Wire, we saw a brand new trailer called The Gig, uh, which apparently takes place during the first couple of hours of the game, the prologue. This also tied into us learning that the 48 minutes of gameplay we saw, which was excellent from 2018, was from the first four hours of the game. And then we learned that also the brain dancing sequence, the first four hours, everything was from the first four hours that we've seen. And I thought that was pretty wild. So in one perspective, if you've been like me and paying really close attention to everything happening with Cyberpunk, then you kind of have a lot of the beginning of the game ruined for you, so to speak. Um, because there was also that that uh, cinematic trailer at E3 2019 where uh, something happens to Jackie. And I, I'm starting to think now as we piece everything together that that may have to happen. Who knows? Uh, CD Projekt Red seems to be pretty pretty much emphasizing that there is a large freedom of choice and amount of outcomes uh, throughout the game. And um, I think that's just excellent. But yeah, the previews were really strong, uh, really, really positive. You know, there were a couple of notable things like janky driving, janky shooting, um, maybe not using your skills as often in locations. Uh, that's something that may work against the game because Every area has to account for all the various play styles that it supports, whether it be stealth, full out guns blazing, and you got to think of hacking, whether it be security cameras or or robots and all this stuff. Like there's so many ways to play the game uh, that I'll be interested to see how the open world supports that. But this game looks like it's really genuinely living up to the hype, which is what has surprised me. There is a lot of love for CD Projekt Red. That's no secret. Um, you know, sometimes I've, I've been, I made a video, I think like two, three years ago now, I think it was 2017. So three years ago, uh, just discussing how I think sometimes the really, the word positive is not right, but the extreme love, like it's on the other end of the spectrum. Like they do no wrong. I felt could harm the overall game because if people believe like this game will be God tier and that nothing will beat it ever. And this will be the best game ever anything could disappoint you going into launch, which is why I always say just temper your expectations, try to go in as neutral as possible. But speaking of neutral, this game has really neutralized my ability to not get excited. And uh, you guys know me, I'm a, I'm a, I try to consider myself or I, I do consider myself a positive YouTube channel. I feel like I, I do focus on the good in games as frequently as I possibly can uh, while still calling out like wrongdoings in the industry when I think it's suitable um, but th this game, man, like it's got me legitimately excited. Uh, I just thought about it all this week leading up to Night City Wire. And since Night City Wire has happened, I just keep thinking about it. So, hey, fingers crossed one day I can preview that game. If not, uh, launch day is going to be one hell of a day because I will be glued to my screen and my chair. Uh, I just, I, it's one of those games that I feel like everyone's going to play. <laughs> everyone's going to be talking about it. It's going to be really saturated in the YouTube scene. So, 
we're going to see how videos deal with it. I'm going to keep up the coverage on it for those who are curious. I've, I've seen really positive results and I only make content on things I give a damn about. And I really like this game. I really feel like I'm learning more about the cyberpunk universe where I can continue to be a reliable source of information. Um, but as for Night City Wire, brain dancing was one of the main focuses of uh, the gameplay presentation. A lot of people were disappointed with that, and I understand that. Uh, I don't think it was really smart to come out with, hey, here's a storytelling tool and show us like some random guy getting shot in, I think it was like a store, like a grocery store of some kind. Um, I think obviously a little more gameplay of, of exploration and questing would have done them better, uh, which Kotaku Australia posted. Uh, this was a bit of viral marketing by CD Projekt Red, allowing what seems to be like one outlet to just take that gameplay and upload it on their own, where everyone's going to go there and be like, wait, there's more, wait, there's more. And, and people keep sharing it. Like even I shared it. Um, one of my viewers put me onto that term, by the way, uh, viral marketing. And so uh, it's a perfect way to describe exactly what they were doing. Cause I was like, why wouldn't they put this in Night City Wire? Uh, and it's obviously to draw attention to the previews and, and all the content coverage that uh, these companies uh, and, and outlets and, and YouTubers have been doing for the game, but uh, it looks fantastic. There was more questing there. So I would recommend looking it up. I also know Juicehead took that gameplay and re-uploaded it. So if you want to check it out on his channel, cause you might be a little more familiar with him, uh, go ahead and give it a look. He also took some of the gameplay uh, throughout Night City Wire, uh, stitched that together and uploaded it onto his channel. But yeah, uh, Kotaku Australia posted a ton of gameplay and it looks great. And I, yeah, there's not much more I can really tack onto this other than I'm very excited and I will be continuing to cover this game and I, I look forward to learning more. All right. So with that out of the way, let's move into our first real bit of news, something we haven't talked about on the channel. Uh, all of this information, by the way, is going to come from Game Informer. They're one of my favorite sites to go to. I feel like their write-ups are concise. Uh, so this is a report that Rocksteady is working on a Suicide Squad game. Uh, so the write-up from Game Informer reads, Eurogamer is reporting that Batman Arkham Knight developer Rocksteady Studios is working on a Suicide Squad game called Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Talk started when Drifting Orbit posted some uncovered domain names in Reset Era, and Eurogamer later said it understands this to be accurate, adding that the Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League.com domain in particular is a contender for the final title and indicative of the final product. Also, we should be learning about this at the DC Fandom event in August. Furthermore, there was another one called Gotham Knights, another domain called Gotham Knights, which will be the game from Warner Brothers Montreal, who was the developer of Batman Arkham Origins, uh, the most underrated title in that series. It's a series that's got so many good titles. Like I even think Arkham Knight was pretty good. It was a little predictable in its story, but it's still a great game, right? Even at its low point, it's an amazing series. And um, I still think Arkham Origins did not get nearly enough love. So I can't wait to see what Warner Brothers Montreal brings to the table. We know that has to deal with the Court of Owls. But let's talk a little bit about Suicide Squad. Kill the Justice League. Oh my gosh, man. This, this is what I'm talking about. Because obviously, if, you, if it's Suicide Squad, you already know they're A, playing as a group. They got to play as multiple heroes or anti-heroes, if you will. And I think that's hype, right? You got like Deadshot. You got Harley Quinn, just to name a couple. And those are actually the only two that really I can remember right now. Um, but the title Kill the Justice League, um, that indicates a very mature story. If you're 
hunting down the likes of Flash, Superman, Batman. Is this going to be open world? How will open world exploration work? Do you explore in phases? Like, okay, now I'm Harley Quinn. Or do you, can you switch between all of them? Uh, and like, can only certain people access rooftops versus people on the ground level? Um, it just There are so many elements that go into a whole Suicide Squad game. It's the same way, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, but I wonder with these group games, right? We have Suicide Squad. It's not just like the Harley Quinn game and, and then the Deadshot game, and then we lead all of that into Suicide Squad. It's They're just going straight for it off the bat. Same thing could be said about Batman Gotham Knights. We, we know that we've had multiple Batman games with just Batman, or we've had the skins where you can play as like Nightwing or Batgirl. And I think there was DLC for Arkham Knight, which let you play as specifically Nightwing with a completely different moveset. Um, but point being is that you know, there, there was at least a buildup there. With Suicide Squad and with Avengers, they're just throwing you into the group. And obviously that can lead to spreading things a, a bit thin, or at least that's my worry. That's my concern. Don't get me wrong, though. I love the idea of a mature DC-style kill the Justice League game. Like I'm thinking of, and this is a little bit of a spoiler, but God of War 3. Um, in God of War 3, for those who don't know, once again, spoiler warning, Kratos just goes on a massacre of the gods. He just runs through and kills like Poseidon, Hermes. Like he just kills everyone. Zeus, everyone dies. Everyone gets killed. And uh, it, to me, it was just a really fun video game. And I'm starting to wonder if like that's kind of the idea thematically about Suicide Squad. Like you're just running through. And when you get to that boss fight against Batman, like it's an absolute brutal moment. Because everyone, you know, they could really play off the idea. Like, we're attached to the likes of, or very familiar with the likes of Batman, Superman, the Flash, Green Lantern. And to see them get taken out in such a a, a brutal fashion, like I imagine the Suicide Squad would do, I really think could, could move people and be like, whoa, this is like a mature styled superhero game or anti-hero game, whatever you want to call this. I'm just very, very, very excited to see more. Uh... If I were a betting man, though, I feel like when we see this game, it's not going to be extensive gameplay. I feel like it's not going to be. Um, I feel like it's not going to be anything more than like a cinematic trailer. I remember when Batman: Arkham Knight was revealed. I was in college at the time. Yeah, yeah it was like 2015 or 2014. Yeah, 2014. I was in college, and I I specifically remember it just being some random day kind of like how things are now right you know just like you'll wake up and suddenly you've got like four game announcements it's not such as e3 where everything's compacted in a little week we have a little bit of organization uh, it's just sort of the wild west right now it was like that moment but except there wasn't a quarantine so i just remember going in school checking my phone in between classes and seeing oh rocksteady's making arkham knight they announced a whole new uh, what what and they just like announced this straight up Obviously, things are a bit different now, so a lot of companies follow what Bethesda sort of set with Fallout 4. When a game is announced, uh, it should release within the next number of months, but Rocksteady, just, they seem different, man. They were quiet for so long, and uh, they came so close to it not leaking. They were so close, uh, but sadly, they did not make it all the way. Uh, so it seems like this is what we can expect from them, which I think is neat because uh, it's just another place to shine the light on the superhero genre um, instead of doing what was originally rumored and then canceled, which was a Superman game. And that may explain why we haven't seen Rocksteady since 2015. 
it has been a while. Well, I guess technically a little bit later than that. I, I want to say like 2016, we saw Batman Arkham VR. So they have been around, just not in a substantial fashion like we've been familiar with. Um, so yeah, August is where you guys should mark your calendars. It's looking like a, a, a good time to be a gamer then because we got... Well, actually, sorry, that's July. I was thinking of, of the Xbox event. Xbox events in July. But uh, yeah, it looks like it's a good time to be a gamer anyway just because you have a lot of consistent events coming your way. All right, so we've got Suicide Squad out of the way. Now let's talk about Avengers. I, I've been asked this a lot, so I figured I'd throw it in as a topic. But first... Uh, just give me a sec. I'm going to take a little, little sip of my water, you know? Mm. Ah. <sighs> you know, the thing with podcasting by yourself is your co-host is your ability to breathe, to just rest your jaw. You know, you don't have that in a solo show, which is why I give props to so many people who like do daily monologues on their podcasts uh, because those water breaks, man. I feel like I could go for another hour, although I'll probably need another water break in like 10 minutes now. Anyway, enough dilly-dallying. Let's talk about Avengers. I've been asked this a lot. I have a full reaction to the entire uh, Avengers war table on my Twitch. Uh, we've been streaming a lot over there reaction-wise. That's where all my stuff goes. A lot of people ask me, like, you should upload reactions. I'm not a reaction channel unless it's something like KOTOR. Uh, I will probably not upload a reaction because uh, I think I did it for, yeah, I did it for uh, the the Netflix Witcher series because that actually like caught me by surprise. Like, I feel like if I watch it and my reaction is like, whoa, whoa like and I actually have something authentic and you guys understand what I was saying from the beginning, something unique to offer, uh, then I'll gladly upload my reaction. But if you just want that part of me, uh, go to my Twitch channel. We've got that for Cyberpunk. We've got that for Avengers, uh, PlayStation Reveal. We're going to do the same thing for Xbox. So yeah, just keep that in mind, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so as for the Avengers, um, there was it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Um, and some people may say like, oh, it sounds like you're choking on your words as you let that one out. It's just that I say that hesitantly because there are a lot of question marks surrounding this title, in my humble opinion. Uh, so, pretty much, the, let's start. Let's talk about the format of the show itself. I think this is a good future for this game because um, the way they structured it was talking about um, what exactly this show was. Uh, they showed off war zones. They showed off the mission structure. They discussed co-op. They showed a trailer for that. So they really did a good job identifying to people what this game was. And they almost acknowledged it entirely that they really hadn't told people specifically and shown people specifically what this game was, which I'm sorry, but if you're like super confident in this game, I'm going to ask you to check yourself for a sec, right? Let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Okay. So they admitted in their own war table. If you don't know what this game's about, this war table is for you. It is, as I record this June 26th, I think this was on like the 23rd or 4th. Their game comes out in September, and they're now just saying, like, here's what the game is. What? What? They're hiding something, guys. Let's be honest. Um, now, as an action game that you would just play with the boys because it does have a co-op mode, it is like a, a single-player hub story where you, you like, select missions from this hub area, and then you go into these mission zones. Some are, like, open exploration. Some are more, like, destroy this, get this. Um, it looks very simple but it looks kind of fun. 
It's got like Destiny elements. It's even got the same mother friggin' HUD that Destiny has. God forbid anyone ever invents a new way to navigate stores in a game. I'm sorry. I know I sound salty for the stupidest things, but really, once again, you can go on my Twitch. You can watch me go, what? Really? Are you kidding me? I'm, I'm so tired of this, man. I'm tired of the copycat stuff. The second I start seeing companies copycat, pardon me, in ways that are like menu systems that we've seen since 2014, that has me lose faith because I see that and go, like, where's the effort? Where's the thought of creating something unique? And I say that as a, a freaking YouTuber, dude, like as someone who's just like, I want to stand out and be creative and, and unique in any way, shape or form. Um, but anyway, it's, it's a, it's a Avengers game. Let's talk about the actual stuff. So they showed off, uh, Thor, um, they showed a lot of gameplay for him with the HUD off. Then they showed afterwards gameplay with the HUD on, which I thought looked a lot more appealing. Um, but anyway, yeah, he had a ton of abilities. They went into like perk trees, uh, ways to build, how to play Thor. They showed Black Widow, Iron Man, Hulk. Uh, they really went through everyone. They confirmed that there's going to be free DLC for this game for its future, which doesn't surprise me. It's an Avengers game. It's going to make a ton of money off of, you guessed it, it's cosmetic microtransactions. But overall, there is a gear system involved as well to help tailor your builds. And it actually had... Uh, uh, cosmetic differences, which I like, and I know that shouldn't be a shocker in 2020, but it really is. So many games are like, you got the bronze gauntlet, then you put on the iron gauntlet, but the iron gauntlet and the bronze gauntlet look the exact same, and it's just frustrating as someone who loves those little details. Um, But yeah, it looks a lot like Marvel's Destiny, and they're doing it for an Avengers game, and I don't know why... Obviously, they just want their games as a service. I do know why. Because my thought process would be, hey, we just did a great Spider-Man game with Insomniac. And and they even like kind of acknowledged like it's its own Marvel Cinematic Universe because you had the Avengers Tower. Like it was the New York City, uh, Marvel New York City, sorry. And I was thinking like imagine if they did an Iron Man game with a separate developer. They did a whole game. Like they did little games with each of the developers. And then they, they actually had like a... a, a MGU, like a, a Marvel game universe where they did create an Avengers game like five, four, six years from now, like within that range. I mean, the, to me, that sounded, I don't know why I went five, four, six, but, um, you know, I don't know why that wasn't an idea on the table because that's so exciting to get invested in. Spider Man showed that even as a PlayStation exclusive, right? This game was PlayStation exclusive and sold well over 15 million copies, probably 20 million copies. And, like, the idea of saying, like, let's make another Hulk Ultimate Destruction game and then just, like, mash all these play styles together in, like, one big Avengers game. I just think that would be a triumph for game for the games industry. I feel like rushing to an Avengers game, it, it, it's, it's, it's not moving things forward. All you've done is made a Destiny-styled Avengers, which I can get behind. I don't really stick with games as a service long outside of MOBAs, one we will talk about later on in the video or the podcast, sorry. Um, But yeah, I don't really stick with these types of games for a while. I know people do, though, and I know Avengers has a a big amount of sway, so there will be plenty of people who pick this up. Uh, But just the the Destiny-style systems are a little bit of a pushback for me. Um, The story, however, looks interesting, uh, if not a bit familiar. So it's another one of those uh, 
superheroes are actually bad kind of tales. After this thing called A-Day, the world is in turmoil and they're rejecting superhumans in general. Uh, they also confirmed Inhumans are in the game, so it's a bit of like an X-Men plot at the same time. Uh, Modoc is one of the main villains, which is also interesting. Um, but yeah, between Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2, Captain America Civil War, now this, it's like, I have seen this, and Endgame, I've seen this story before where the superheroes fuck up. <laughs> and it's so interesting to me, but it's so familiar. Uh, and that's kind of, that's kind of my, uh, my punchline for this game. Looks solid, but it's familiar. Um, so those are my general impressions for Avengers. Uh, didn't blow me away, but looked a little bit better in some regards than I expected. The mission design, uh, as someone who hasn't played it, I don't want to comment on it too much, but it looked like it left a lot to be desired because you had this uh, aim ship in the air. Thor and Hulk were there, and pretty much Thor just went left, right, left, right, left, right three times and then went into the direct back, and just each time he was taking out like a giant robot. and It just seemed like thoughtless objectives. Uh, it had a great sense of production values it was like huge explosions lots of things happening rain was pouring down it was epic but it, it just in the terms of things you were doing and especially in a game based off gear uh upgrading your characters all that stuff I, to me it just looked like a, a game that um that that could burn out for me pretty quickly but that's just me you are different from me you are your own fantastic person all right that's enough about the avengers let's talk about this one is a heartbreaker so let's read game informers article tales of rise made a big splash with its announcement at last year's e3 but we haven't heard much about the project since something that i noted and continued to research but still nothing today bandai namco gave an update via social channels letting fans know that the project is delayed out of 2020 due to quote its ambitious nature end quote and quote to create the best experience possible end quote now let's read the bit of the blog post here that Game Informer highlighted, and I think it's the only important part. Quote, The goal for Tales of Arise is to provide a familiar but innovative gameplay experience to fans of the series, while pushing the technical envelope to deliver a high level of graphical fidelity, or I'm sorry, graphical quality, to impress both longtime players and those who have never played a Tales of game, wrote producer Yusuke Tomizawa. Quote, we will need more time to achieve the quality and provide the gorgeous experience we envision for our players, end quote. Uh, so I really hope that uh, they don't get too carried away with just focusing on graphics here. But um, Arise has a, a really big set of shoes to fill because this is a, a new producer behind the Tales of series. Uh, the person who, I forgot his name, sorry, but... He had helped with every single Tales game up until the last one, which I believe was Berseria. And Berseria is great, by the way. It's always on sale. It was on sale on PSN recently for like $5, which is a steal. Such a great game. Um, takes a little bit to get going, but great game regardless. Uh, highly recommend it. But yeah, it's behind a new team now. New, new, Well, new producers, like new head-ups. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. I just hope they don't get too carried away with making it a gorgeous game. Um, because Tails is really known for its combat. One of the things that this series has struggled with, in my opinion, is dungeon design. Its dungeons are very samey feeling. Uh, they're very, very much like PlayStation 2, GameCube generation, just blank walls, uh, really easy to get lost in. 
no visual variety either. Even Final Fantasy 15 struggled with this a bit. Final Fantasy 15 had like one really cool dungeon where you went in this underwater area. I don't remember the narrative significance for it, but it was really cool. Outside of that, though, even that game struggled with it. Honestly, the only game I can think of that's a JRPG that doesn't struggle with good dungeons is Persona. Uh, 4 was a little samey, especially in hindsight now going back to it for my 2020 review. But Persona 5 Royal uh, and just Persona 5 in general are just the cream of the crop when it comes to dungeon design. Uh, Visual variety, uh, thoughtful level design, interesting to explore, secrets tucked away. It's what a dungeon in an RPG should be. You know, Japanese role-playing game or regular RPG, does not matter. Um, I'm hoping that, that with their... Uh, they're they're yearning for a higher level of graphical quality to impress longtime players and those who have never played that they don't forget some of the shortcomings of the series because visually the game looked good like it looked like an anime game um, and Arise when it came out uh, with a big surprise announcement in last year's E3 uh, it did look graphically much better I think it was during Xbox Showcase or something like that but yeah I'm a huge Tales fan um, I love Berseria Zestiria was a huge disappointment. Do not like that game um, unless you play Berseria first, then Zestiria. I did it the other way because that's how they released them. Um, but there's also Exilia, the first Exilia on PS3, which is excellent. Uh, the Tales series is really consistent, I'd say. A lot of people love it for, for a good reason. It's got solid combat. Great stories are there to uh, experience. So, yeah, if you guys are, are looking for a good JRPG, that's another place that you can look. But not much more to say on that. Just an, another delay. Hopefully, we see more soon. All right, let's talk about a nice controversial game, The Last of Us Part 2. Here's a write-up from the PlayStation blog. We're delighted to report that The Last of Us Part 2 is now the fastest-selling first-party PS4 exclusive ever, with more than 4 million copies sold through as of June 21st. Don't ask me why I'm reading it like that. It's more so like I'm shocked. Uh, this milestone would not have been reached without the support from our amazing fans. So on behalf of everyone at SIE, thank you. Naughty Dog has created a experience that truly transcends the category with the last of us part two. They have honed their years of craft, or I'm sorry, they have honed their craft for years and have once again set a new bar for what is possible through interactive entertainment. The last of us part two represents large scale innovation in gaming with a great blend of excellent gameplay mechanics and masterful storytelling. All of this came together to deliver a generation defining experience and the fastest selling first party PS4 exclusive. So, despite the leaks, it has found its success. And it appears that some people were calling Jim Ryan a liar. Uh, I said that I feel like he might have been posturing a little bit with how he said the the pre-order numbers in Europe were higher than Spider-Man. But that meant that the stage was set for this game to be a success. And it's already faster selling than God of War. And more importantly, Spider-Man. The Last of Us Part Two is selling quicker than one of the most recognizable mascots, or I'm sorry, uh, 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 superheroes ever. Probably, probably like the most recognizable superhero ever, in my opinion, outside of like Superman and Batman. That is insane to me. Um, I bought a copy. It's still in the mail. I have not gone home yet today, so I do not know if it's there waiting for me. But I bought it out of sheer curiosity. I had a feeling as um, you know things started to turn around for them PR-wise, it started off with when Jim Ryan came out and said, like, yeah, 
The game's been pre-ordered more than uh, all of our other PS4 exclusives, and it's really setting the stage for something successful. People started to talk a lot more positively about the game and ignore the leaks. It seems like some of the leaks were, as expected, uh, a bit inaccurate, which to my surprise, uh, which I'm sorry, was to not my surprise. That's why I said in my videos, you can go ahead and check when I was covering the downfall of The Last of Us Part Two that I was going to wait. I was going to wait and see uh, if what was said, because it was sent to me, I could not avoid the spoilers, uh, if what was said was true and that there's a chance that it may not be, uh, which is why I didn't want to react to what was happening in the story because I may have been getting uh, excited or upset over absolutely nothing. And so uh, I'm looking forward to playing it. I'm going to be straight up with you guys. I know some people are like, fuck this game. Uh, I'm really looking forward to playing it. I've heard some good things from close friends of mine, from uh, fellow creators, from, of course, we've heard from the critics that it's been good. I did a reviewing the review on this game, and it's actually our most popular popular rendition yet, uh, which is not really a surprise because people just want to, like, blast these reviews. But I'm really looking forward to seeing what the story is. I've heard that, you know, the first half is hit or miss, and the second half is, like, a real roller coaster of emotions. It just seems like everyone's got a different opinion on it. That's why I was like, I got to play this for myself because I can't imagine any review is truly accurate when you really think about it. You know, I've seen friends go, this was a really disappointing game. Uh, This was one of the most disappointing games of the generation. This was one of the best games of the generation. This was better than the first one. This one was eh, good. This one was, you know, it had some good beats here and there. But overall, uh, I thought it was a solid game. Like, no one is consistently on the same page. Everyone's taken something different away from this game. That's why I was like, I gotta, I gotta play this thing, and eventually I'll make a video on it because it, it, it's so, it's such like a wild west scenario, man. Just every man for himself. We we don't. Everyone's got a different opinion out there, and that's always been the case with a lot of games. But usually, you see it in a more united pocket here and there that most people are saying the same thing and not getting blasted for it or being questioned about it. And with The Last of Us Part Two. I've heard that even if you don't like the story, the gameplay is excellent. It's very brutal. Uh, it's very fluid. So I'm just looking forward to seeing what they've crafted. I've never really been a big Naughty Dog fan. I love the Jack and Daxter series. I've I've made sure people know that. Uh, I've always enjoyed Jack and Daxter. Um, I was not a fan of Uncharted, though. I liked Uncharted 1. I enjoyed Uncharted 2. And I played a little bit of Uncharted 3. But like none of those games really blew me away. What blew me away from Naughty Dog was The Last of Us 1. That game was top tier. One of the very best games of the PS3 generation. Um, I haven't played in a while, so I don't know if I would just sit here and go favorite game of all, one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, but it was one of the games that was so impactful for me as I grew as someone who critiqued games. Because I won't spoil anything, but I remember when that game wrapped up. At first, I was like, I hated that ending. But it sat with me, and I digested the experience. I was like, you know what? That was really, really good. It was profound. It was different. It, it was it highlighted like a human element that I never thought a game could really capture uh, so properly. And so uh, I don't want to lose those emotions that the, the first game had me feel. I never played this, the fourth game. If you guys recall, I had my friend Connor review um, Uncharted 4. Uh, for us here on the channel. I didn't play Lost Legacy, although I was offered a code for that one. So yeah, I've always just been like a Last of Us and Jack fan. Um, And so I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on this game and seeing what they have to offer. Um, I figured given all the coverage the game got through YouTube and press sites that people who didn't care about games just caught wind of this and went, what is The Last of Us Part 2? And they look up a trailer and go, this looks good. And I imagine that's why a lot of sales 
are being uh, propelled for this game, but also because it seems like it's it's pretty good. So lots of success coming Naughty Dog's way, um, and that's good for them. All right, let's talk about something even more controversial to people. That is Pokemon Unite. All right, so this was the big Pokemon announcement this past week. Once again, through Game Informer, during last week's Pokemon Presents, president and CEO of the Pokemon Company, Tsunekazu Ishihara, followed up the announcements of new Pokemon Snap, Pokemon Cafe Mix, and other announcements by teasing more big news today. That big project Ishihara teased turned out to be Pokemon Unite. The game is created in partnership with Tencent Games and Teamy Studios. Pokemon Unite is a 5v5 team-based game with a focus on being highly accessible while also delivering depth. The game features MOBA-style gameplay with various moves and score locations. Player-controlled Pokemon can explore the lanes of the battlefield to capture wild Pokemon to score and evolve to improve their stats. Of course, you can expect to clash with opposing players on the battlefield. It is free to start, free to start, coming to Switch, iOS, and Android. Okay, let me lean back in my chair a little bit. You're going to hear my mic move here because I need to get comfortable for this conversation. Pokemon Unite is a game that actually excited me, and I'm in like the two percentile on that one. I was hoping to see Pokemon Stadium come to the Switch. I know some people were hoping for, I think it was like Sinnoh remakes or or, or Let's Go versions of older Pokemon games like Crystal. Um, and I totally understand that. I'm sure that's higher on Nintendo's priority list. The thing is, is they need more teams working on this series because there's just too many demands to meet and too much money to make. This is the highest grossing uh, property in the world, I believe, Pokemon is. Because um, I remember making a video back in December of 2019 talking about how Pokemon needs the Assassin's Creed treatment, how it really needs to sort of take a break and gather itself uh, and maybe focus on like this, these smaller titles, these side titles. Okay, so you guys know I've played a lot of Smite throughout my day, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of Smite since its beta, and I think it was 2012. Uh, I am a newfound league player these last number of months. I've been maining in the jungle. Uh, I play a lot of Volibear. I play a lot of, I played Shivana at first. I play Warwick, um, Master Yi, all the busted jungles. If you couldn't tell, I'm not that good. Um, I'm trying to get better though. Uh, Cause I'm still like even learning how to farm properly and have like a farming route. But uh, anyway, I really like MOBAs. I think they're just addictive in the right way. You never know what game's going to, how it's going to come out. Um, and I love how Pokemon changes it up a little bit with evolving um, capturing wild Pokemon out there uh, to, to, to level up your character and to have various moves and access to them. Like, it's ripe to be a good MOBA. Here is the problem, Nintendo. It is on Switch, iOS, and Android. The fact that there is no PC version of this game is actually fucking insane to me. Because this has so much potential to be incredibly popular, and it will be popular, but, like, let's look at it this way. Why, man, why are you throwing up a shitstorm? Okay, Switch's Wi-Fi adapter that's built into it is horrible. I have never had worse connection on something in my house than my Switch. Sometimes my cell phone gives me trouble, but I have good internet. This is my job. I need good internet. So, 
I know it's the switch. It is consistently giving me problems because the closer I get to my router, the better my connection is. Whenever I wanted to play online with my friends in Animal Crossing, instead of sitting in my room, I had to go out to the living room on my couch. And I don't have a big house, by the way. It's not like I'm living in some mansion. I had to go close in my already small house to my router. The Wi-Fi adapter sucks, so lagging out, connection issues will be a persistent problem. On the phones even. Oh my gosh. It could be worse there. Someone could join your game who's playing on the go. I pray to God that they have an option that can at least make you prioritize. Hey, I want to play with only people on the Switch. I only want to play console players. That's why this game needs to be on the PC. There is going to be connection issues up the wazoo. And why does that matter, Maddie? In MOBAs, you need a full team. You very, 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 very rarely will win in 4v5 scenarios. It is If this game is properly designed as an, a MOBA, like it should be, you need your team. You need to coordinate attacks. If you have a jungler, your jungle needs to gank, help you take out someone who might be giving you trouble, get you pressure on your lane, whether it be mid, top, bottom. It is a team-based game. And you can't play team-based games if you have people lagging out because of connection, uh, servers getting full off the bat. That's my biggest fear. And why when I didn't see PC, that's when my heart dropped. And I went, man, really? Really? Like, I couldn't believe it. I get it's Pokemon. I guess it's Nintendo's thing. You want them coming on the Switch. But if you're putting it on phones, dude, put it on PC. That is where this game will thrive. It will thrive. And as someone who needs a new MOBA desperately, it's why I picked up League. I avoided League for years, man, because I played. Sm- I got back into Smite around 2017 in the summer, I think it was. I mean, I played it pretty consistently, but that was like the summer I hopped back into it. Um, and then I think I was playing Paragon as well. Uh, that was a third-person action MOBA by Epic, which was really stupidly underrated. Got shut down in exchange with for Fortnite to keep that supported. So thank you, Fortnite, for that. Um, man, I'm salty this episode. Holy smokes. <laughs> but seriously, it got shut down because of Fortnite. You can go ahead and look it up. So the MOBA field got smaller. It used to be really popular, but it got smaller. And I've just needed something new. So I went, all right, fine, I'll play League. I've been enjoying League, but Pokemon Unite, just it's that flavor I need. I could get attached to something Pokemon-related, especially if it's fun to play and I could run around as Squirtle in the friggin' jungle and gank people as eventually Blastoise late game. That's awesome. Like, that's its niche right there, evolving in the game and changing your moveset. In the, just, oh, yes. So game has a lot of potential as someone who plays a lot of MOBAs pretty consistently, but I understand why Pokemon fans are uh, a bit upset with this thing, man, uh, because they teased it as a, quote, big project, end quote, and it's a free to start, which who knows what that means. Do you pay for matches? You know, we've seen that already happen. Uh, what do you pay for? To, to play this game because I'm not going to pay like 20 bucks if the game's going to constantly lag me out or lag out my teammates. Um, that, that's what's going to be really interesting about Pokemon Unite. I think it has a lot of potential. I understand people's disappointment, but part of it's because I don't know if there were leaks that suggested something else was coming. If that's the case, then I understand people's frustration, but if they're just mad because it's not something that they wanted, I've been in that boat before, but ultimately like I don't think it's the end of the world. Uh, it's just one more type of Pokemon thing that people can enjoy. And hey, I was talking about Sword and Shield earlier, and I said how it needed the Assassin's Creed treatment, where Assassin's Creed took a year off and they came back with some more innovative ideas. Um, I like that the next thing of Pokemon we're seeing is Snap, which even though I'm not a fan of Snap, uh, we're seeing that. And we're seeing 
a MOBA. We're seeing actual creative things that are different. Sorry, but in my opinion, Sword and Shield was terrible. It was so devout of any creativity and it looked terrible for a Switch game compared to other titles on there. It just, I loved Sword and Shield, or I'm not sorry. Oh boy, take that back. Re- reel that one in. Uh, I loved Sun and Moon. Top tier soundtrack, felt like it moved the series forward. Uh, um, the combat didn't feel as aged then. It didn't feel like as desperate to innovate. Lots of exploration. Um, I just really, really liked that game. Lots of secrets to find too. Uh, where, where Sword and Shield just took these open areas and said, let's slap Pokemon in them. And it's it's a framework for the future that they need to fill out big time. Because even with the DLC, I was watching the Isle of Armor, I think it's called, DLC reviews. And I'm looking at it and, and I'm seeing the same wild areas tons of collectibles like little pokeballs that you found stun heals um or paralyzed heals sorry um and and raids with giant pokemon i'm just like really <sighs> really guys like i'm i just want to see them take some notes from you know i talk about the game way too much so i'm sorry i'm not biased in this regard though i, I swear but you take a look at like persona right persona's combat would be just like pokemon if if you didn't have like baton passing, guns, persona switching, that type of stuff, it needs to embrace some semblance of modern game design because just targeting weaknesses and, and just that back and forth, it's so, so familiar. It's so boring. They really just need to, I feel, retool Pokemon. I'm sure some people are like scratching their, their head. They're slamming their desk. Shut up, Maddie. But seriously, I think Pokemon has a long way to go. And if they, I'm just telling you, look at Persona 5 gameplay and tell me you wouldn't want at least baton passing in. Where if you had a tag match with one of your Pokemon, you hit a, a water Pokemon with a lightning attack, and then you can pass your turn to your grass-style Pokemon, and you do a grass move that has double damage now because you baton pass, you target a, weaknesses, a weakness, sorry, and that grass move does a ton of damage to that water Pokemon. Now it's gone. And because they have that system in place, they can make bigger Pokemon, more challenging Pokemon, more deep systems. Like, it builds from there. Just try watching a little Persona 5 gameplay and try telling me you don't want to see something. You don't have to be as stylish, but you don't want that mechanically in your Pokemon games. I, I, I don't know. I have a lot to say on this topic, but that's enough for now. I've ranted and raved clearly enough for, for you guys here. All right, next is The Outer Worlds on Switch. This is our last news topic for the day. Um, Private Division put out a tweet saying, Employees of Halcyon, a patch for The Outer Worlds on Nintendo Switch is in the works. The team at Virtuos is investigating to further improve the game's performance. We will let the community know once we confirm this update is available. Um, And this was posted on June 25th at 2 p.m., so it was just yesterday. Uh, we don't know when these fixes will be available, but I'm glad that Switch owners will get a better version of the Outer Worlds. We'll see if it fixes everything because it ran like crap. It played like crap. It looked like crap. Um, not much to say because I have a whole review on why you should avoid the game. So I'm glad they're fixing it, though. Um, it might be worth a second look. We'll see once that patch comes out. You guys know me. I will. I don't think I'll make a, make a dedicated video to it, but I'll have more of like a segmented news update and include that in there and see how the patch actually is but ultimately what else can you add other than that version of the outer worlds isn't very good and hopefully uh the patch solves our problems 
Okay, so it's everyone's favorite part now. Let's go ahead and answer some patron questions. Woo! And I'm excited because after this, I'm going to go home and eat a large meal. I am starving. Okay, first question comes from Natural Calamity. I realize this is probably psychotic to even propose, but what if to postpone a game and move the release date to another time, a game developer had to have something to show for it and something that they were going to work on and talk to the community about, sort of state their case for delaying the release. So we would kind of combat so that so we could kind of combat the release of games with no content or games that delay, delay, delay to the last moment to buy themselves time for a game and end up having nothing to show for it. Uh, I don't think it's psychotic to propose the idea of giving information on the game when uh, you're delaying it, especially I'm imagining this was spawned by the case with Cyberpunk where, um, you know, the, the, it was delayed again and again and again. And at the time of the most recent delay, we had no new information. We know there, we knew there was a lot coming. It was the week before uh, Night City Wire. We knew there was a lot coming, uh, but it had not yet arrived. Um, so quite frankly, I don't think it's psychotic at all to propose um, it, provided I'm understanding it. Cause it sounds like you're saying uh, to have something to show for it and something that they were going to work on and talk to the community about. It sounds like you're talking about like directly identifying, Hey, the game runs like crap and showing them it running like crap uh, for a game company that just hurts them. They're a business and they're not going to risk putting out choppy gameplay that people can judge for themselves. Uh, they will always make it their word is important until people throw like a shitstorm. So uh, I get your idea. I don't think it's psychotic, but I don't think uh, it'll happen. Holzer writes in, uh, this was on my birthday. We had a lot of questions come in on my birthday. With a lot of nerd culture becoming more and more mainstream, as well as leaps in technology, do you think we might be entering a golden age of games where devs go balls to the wall with the weirdness of variety that they can pull off uh, in their games? Looking at Pragmata and Death Stranding, I believe we might be. This is a really uh, well-thought-out question, Holzer, because I, I define, and I don't call it a golden age of gaming, but I, I, I define that balls to the walls. Let's just make a random game focusing on this one thing as the PS2, GameCube, uh, original Xbox generation. Uh, I've been getting into a lot of game collecting, so I've been looking at a lot of more uh, niche titles, underrated titles that just said they just had this one idea. And they went all in on it. What you'll see with a lot of games nowadays is they try to do everything instead. So uh, let's look at Cyberpunk we were talking about earlier. You have an open world game that has first-person shooting mechanics that is gigantic with tons of content that accounts for your choice and consequence with origin stories and builds and builds and builds. It's trying to do every driving, third-person driving. Once again, it's trying to do everything. Everything. <laughs> and so... I think you're going to see more of that games broadening their horizons rather than saying, Hey, um, let's take this. Let's think here. What let's be LA noir. Let's make a murder mystery game. Okay. What do you do? You read facial expressions and you use, you use evidence to confirm your case. You can get it wrong. Okay, cool. Anything else? Eh, shooting section here or there, but nothing in the open world. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's interesting because what happens is in those previous generations, we've seen good ideas that sh that have been iterated upon. Not really L.A. Noir so much. Like that would be cool to see a true open world game uh, like L.A. Noir with its its detective gameplay, except it's actually like a, a there's more to do than just the the cases. 
I think that'd be cool. Uh, great question, though. Uh, Mr. Gorbachev writes in. Hey, Maddie, I recently bought Persona 5 Royal after hearing your recommendation in a previous podcast, and I've absolutely fell in love with it. I've never been into JRPGs before playing Persona 5, so I was wondering if you could give some uh, give some of your recommendations to a newcomer to the genre. Also, do you think that Persona 4 Golden will come to PS4 slash PS5? Thanks. Uh, hey, my pleasure, man. Glad to hear you're enjoying it. Um, one thing I've warned people about with Persona 5 Royal is it is a uh, – how do I define this? I'm going to connect it to anime. It's the Attack on Titan of anime. Uh, it's a gateway It's a gateway JRPG. So uh, Attack on Titan was the gateway anime for myself and many, many other people. I was not a huge anime person. Season one of Attack on Titan came out. It was on Netflix, and my friend recommended it. And as someone who was like, I don't like anime, but meanwhile, I watched like Naruto growing up on Cartoon Network. Um, but yeah, like my friend told me to watch it, and I fell in love with anime ever since, and I was very open to it. Uh, same thing kind of applies with Persona 5 Royal. It's so damn good in so many areas that even if you don't like JRPGs, it's it's really hard to not like unless it's strictly not your style of game. If you don't like the social elements, if you don't like uh, turn-taking combat, I can see how those would be turnoffs or it's too long. I understand that as well. Um, just know, though, Gorbachev and anyone listening who's, who's going to be taking some of these JRPG recommendations that because of Persona 5 Royal – that Persona 5 Royal is a very, very unique JRPG. And there's not... I can't think of many games in its genre that even come close to what that game's accomplished. As for Persona 4 Golden, I'll answer that first. Uh, coming to PS4 and 5, I think eventually. Um, I, I don't see how they could get it off the Vita and put it on PC and then not have it uh, available on PS4 at some point in time. Uh, I imagine they're saving it for some place down the line. I think this was a test... Let's see what people think of Persona 4 Golden. Uh, will people still buy it? Put it on one platform. It was top selling for a while. And it was so, it sold so well that Atlas released a, a uh, survey afterwards where they, they source what their fans are thinking. They do this a lot to see what they should work on next. And um, they asked people about another entry in the Persona 4 franchise, kind of like how we have four, then four Golden. Golden kind of expands what four is. So something like that. Um, like a sequel to four. Um, they, they were asking a lot of pointed questions on persona four, uh, which I think means that we'll probably see more ports because there was a ton of success, free money for Atlas there. I'm sure we'll see persona three come to PC. They're going to, because of how it kind of works against itself because of how successful the PC version of persona four golden was, they are absolutely going to scatter the releases of all of their ports because it's going to bring them in free checks and rise their bottom lines so easily in maybe slow quarters where they'll go, hey, Q2 of 2021, things are looking slow. Yeah, let's bring, let's bring Persona 4 out to the PS4 then. Instead of, oh, well, it makes sense we have it here now. Let's do it now. They're not going to do that. Sadly, Atlas is a weird company. As for JRPG recommendations, if you like Persona, uh, I'd say go ahead and give Trails of Cold Steel a rip. Um, very much inspired by Persona, a little bit slower, uh, lower budget for sure, not as stylized, but more political. And that might be, and because it's more grounded, it's less about relationship. It, it does have bonding, but it's not like the core theme of the game. Um, I think people who like Persona will like that. That's available on Vita, PS3. Uh, it's available on PS4 and it's available on PC. So you can try that out. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 is another one. That's one of my favorite JRPGs of all time. 
Uh, it's just really, really fun gameplay. Yeah, the series is convoluted. My taste for it has diluted a bit, but Kingdom Hearts 2 is like so stupidly good. Um, other JRPGs I could recommend, recommend for you guys. I'm trying to think of my... Oh, I mentioned the Tales of series earlier, Tales of Berseria. Um, you have some repetitive dungeons, but you have great combat. Uh, you have a wonderful emotional story. Wonderful. And uh, it's really cheap. Cheap buy-in price. Always on sale. So go ahead, give that a look. Those are my three suggestions. Dow writes in, which game do you think Naughty Dog will make yet next? Another Last of Us, Uncharted, Jack, or some new IP? Um, I think they go back to Jack because I want that to happen. That's all. Ivory State writes in, what is one or several of your biggest issues with video games as a whole right now? Such an anno- such as annoying trends, lack of a certain type of game, stuff like that. And AC Denton actually responded to him and said, personally, it's the lack of new Scooby-Doo games and remasters. AC Denton's a diehard Scooby-Doo fan, I think, man. He's always talking about it. Hey, man, one day, one day. All right, so a trend. You know, this is a great question. And the reason I say that is because I saw something today where I thought, hey, if I ever thought, if I ever had a question about things I don't like in the industry, this would be something I pick. Um, okay, here's one I don't like. and has nothing to do with games. And yes, it is a little more about my profession, but communication. I feel the communication between game companies and consumers and people like me, as well as press outlets, is trash. It's always vague. Super, super vague. It's something that a lot of uh, creators have expressed to me and have expressed publicly at that. I've vented my frustrations before. Uh, there is just a really... Because game design is so different from movies, like when a movie is successful, right? You'll have a movie come out, breaks records in its in its opening weekend, and like literally within a week, they'll be like, yeah, we're going to do a sequel to that. It did really well. And that's it. People are like, okay, there's more coming. Can't wait to see more. With gaming, I don't know if it's because like, is gaming objectively more complex and difficult than making a movie? I, 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 would, I don't know. I'm more knowledgeable in game design, so I would be inclined to say yes, but I can't say for sure. Um but it's just like with game design, it's secrets for years and years and years. And then when statements are put out or emails are sent, they're friggin' vague too. Uh, I would love for some more clear communication. Schoolmavender writes in, did you guys catch the IGN developer interview for Biomutant? Either way, what are your thoughts on this game? Uh, I have this on my schedule. Uh, I'm hoping provided that the news is open enough that... Um, that we that there there is room for me to look at this gameplay. I saw it in my sub box. I have it uh, tabbed on my watch later. I have it written down in my video ideas schedule. So my plan is sometimes next next week to take a look at that game um, and see what it's all about. Um, Night City was a question from Natural Calamity. We kind of answered this. Um, yeah, we, we answered a lot of this in videos and stuff, uh, Natural Calamity. So I'm just going to answer your one question for now, unless you have more. I don't, as I say, I don't revise any of the questions beforehand because I think it's really refreshing for me. Grimblade writes in, what game has your favorite first-person combat? What could other games do to improve theirs? Okay, so I'm trying to think of games with first-person combat. There's mostly shooters, um, and Doom is uh, excellent because it's very punchy. You have great feeling weapons that control well, uh, that 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 are extensions of the power of the Doom Marine himself because he has his own set of abilities that don't really damage the the pace of the gameplay or the mechanics of the gameplay. Um, there's melee combat like Kingdom Come Deliverance, which is really 
No one's tried to do that. Um, first person combat. I think there's also, yeah, there's a lot of pockets, Grim. I'm going to have to pick multiple, like the ones I'm mentioning so far, because there's also, um, um, what's the game? Mirror's Edge, which is first person parkour. And that may not be combat. Well, there is combat, but there's wall running, animation work, all in the first person. I would say, man, like, I can't really pick one because I like even Dishonored. Dishonored's a little janky when I'm thinking of the first one, but it feels powerful because you have such an amazing tool set at your hands. Um, you could look at, like, Medal of Honor VR. Like, it's a, it looks like a World War II VR shooter, but there's, like, th- like catching fire, frying pans and throwing them at people, throwing grenades back. Like, it's interactive. So could that be the best first-person combat? Um there's also great games like Shadow Blade. Shadow Blade is one of my favorite first-person combat systems in all actuality. I don't mean to like dance around your question here, but that's probably one of my favorite ones that comes to mind because you have a sword, uh, you have weapon, like tons of tons of guns, um, powers. Uh, darkness too is another one that has uh, the darkness ability, so you want to always stay obviously in the dark. If you get in the light, your darkness abilities disappear. Um, so yeah, man, I would say those are a couple of my selections. Zane, you write in and write, would you guys rather see a modernizing remake or a faithful remaster of your respective favorite games? So mine would be KOTOR, but I'm also going to think of in this question, Fallout 3 and Sly 2. Hmm. I would say a faithful remaster. I I think obviously with KOTOR, they would take the remake proud. Why can't I speak? Remake path. Uh, it just is sensible for them as a business that people probably wouldn't like KOTOR's combat nowadays. Um, but I would just like them to not damage anything that's been established with the game. And, and like if they change something and it ends up awful and people are talking smack about it, it just, it just damages the brand. And like KOTOR is relatively like its worst thing is, Hey, KOTOR 2 is really buggy. And you know, there's not a cliffhanger, but you know, there's more after KOTOR 2 and uh, we didn't get that with KOTOR 3, which was canceled in the develop- in the middle of its development. Yeah, so I'd say, uh, for the most part, Faithful Remaster. Cover Paint writes in, what's the longest you've ever been stuck in a game? Could be a puzzle, a combat encounter, or anything else that comes to mind. <sighs> Had to be a kid with Munch's Odyssey on the Xbox. Uh, because I got so stuck, I bought a strategy guide for that game. That would definitely be it. Coach Blue writes in, Gentlemen, I hope you had a pleasant week. Thank you. Question one. Do you guys think we'd see more innovative titles if more developers slash publishers were private instead of public, meaning perhaps we'd see development cycles longer, such as CD Projekt Red, without the pressure from investors, etc.? You also asked us what Carrick's favorite thing about me is and what my favorite thing about Carrick is. Obviously, he's not here, so we can't answer that. And then we'll answer question three in a second. All right, so Coach Blue, uh, for your first question... Do we think we'd see more innovative titles if more developers slash publishers were private instead of public? Um, Bethesda is private and they all have first person games. And a lot of their first person games, Doom, Wolfenstein, have armor. And while they're very different in a lot of ways, they also are you know, a little, Bethesda's got a brand and they're rolling with it. Um, even Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo, first person. Um, so I think they're also Bethesda's on the other end of the spectrum proof that, and they, by the way, Bethesda took an exclusivity deal from PlayStation. Uh, so they are private. Um, they did have an option to innovate 
They instead took the money up front, and um, yeah, so I don't think so. I think they're just going to act as companies and just make their money where they can. What? Wait, what? Is a, a hot dog a sandwich? I just saw the emojis. That's why I was like, we'll wait for that one. Is a hot dog a sandwich is what uh, Coach Blue asks. I, I am the one who says yes. If there is an item between two pieces of bread, you have a sandwich. That's it. We're not going to argue this any longer. Paco Luigi. Good day. What are some ways that the discussion surrounding games as both a creative art form and business venture can evolve? Feel free to expand beyond what I labeled games as if it's too limiting. Best. Paco. Thank you, Paco. Appreciate you writing in, man. Last question uh, for today in this episode. Uh, what are some ways that both the discussion uh, surrounding games as a creative art and form and business venture can evolve? <clears throat> I think uh, review bombing is one. Because in the case of The Last of Us Part Two, there may be, I don't know yet. <clears throat> Pardon me, my voice is going away now. Uh, there may be stupid decisions made in the game. I'm not 100% sure. I've heard some people say that. I've heard some people disagree with that. Uh, but giving the game like a four, that solves nothing. That that doesn't evolve the discussion. That doesn't push things forward. That doesn't identify to people. In fact, that probably only emboldens. What you're trying to do when you review Bomb, right? You're trying to get someone to not buy it. To see that score and go, oh man, what's that? That's terrible. I'm not going to buy that. But all you do is go, when someone crosses Metacritic, they're probably crossing it because they've heard something good or bad about the game. And what happens when you go to Metacritic now for The Last of Us, you're going to see something so bad that when you click on the gameplay, you'll see that The Last of Us Part 2 isn't a 4. I'm sorry, it's not as far as I'm concerned. Maybe as a story, it could be a 4. But gameplay-wise, it definitely isn't. No shot. And so I feel like things could be moved forward there where people could be more critical. And I guarantee most people that are dropping horrible scores on The Last of Us Part 2 haven't even played it. So that's one place where I think things can move forward. Uh, I think... Also, uh, when it comes to the press, uh, transparency about a history with a game and how you're reviewing a title. I think the SpongeBob reviews are a great example of what happens when you like, I don't know what happened with GameSpot's review. I'm just going to say that. I don't know what happened at all. Um, and it's a great example of just transparency on experience with the title. And, and if it's your type of game, where do you stand on those, th- those games, that type of stuff. As for the art form, um, you see too many of these Pixar style art art style games. Sorry, uh, Rocket Arena was one. Overwatch, Valorant, which I talked about Valorant a couple of weeks ago. Really enjoying that. But there, we have to admit there is a problem with a lot of these games being the same. And even if they are good games, like oh, Rocket Arena could be great. I look at it and think Fortnite, uh, and, and it's like that's not good. Uh, so I think as an art form, games could move forward from that. Maybe that's not the discussion itself, but I think that games just in general need to move forward there for the discussion to move forward. If people are standing pat and being copycats, to me, that doesn't bring interest to your game for me. Or I don't I don't get interested in your game. But anyway, Paco, great questions. Great question from everybody. I appreciate you all sitting with me throughout this entire episode. I apologize. I stuttered and stammered a ton through this one compared to our usual uh, solo podcast. Quite truthfully, I'm starving. It's about to be 8 p.m. as we record this episode. And normally we're done with this stuff by around 7, 6.30. And I'm just coming in when I'm starting to get hungry. So I'm starving and my brain just not does not function at all when I'm hungry. Anyway, though, I hope you found this episode serviceable, enjoyable, 
and uh, you could take something away from it. So let me know what you guys are thinking. We're looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Uh, if you got this far, put the hashtag solo. Tag me on Twitter. Tag Carrick on Twitter. Uh, let us know that you listened to the entire episode to this very point. And with that, I will catch you guys in the next episode. Stay sexy. Stay active. I love you all. Peace.